0: Welcome to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. And folks, we are doing this one live. We're at the courtyard in Marina Del Rey. And Rex and I are together for the first time since the Ryder Cup. We're doing this thing together. Uh, this is going to be probably a very long episode. We have a lot to chew on because it has been a very busy early week at the Genesis Invitation. We're taping this on Wednesday night. Tiger Woods talked. Saudi Golf League seems to be picking up steam. Sides are being drawn. I can't wait to dive into this one. But first, a message from our sponsoring Callaway's new Rogue ST drivers are their fastest, most stable drivers ever. With four head shapes to fit every type of player, their industry-leading innovations include an all-new tungsten speed cartridge, jailbreak speed frame, and an AI-designed flash face for maximum speed with exceptional levels of forgiveness. And these drivers are already off to a f- strong start on tour for players like world number one, John Rahm and Xander Shoffley rogue ST drivers are available for pre-order now and are available at retail this Friday. So go to CallawayGolf.com Now to learn more Rex, I'm going to need to get my hands on one of those drivers. I've not yet played since my TPC sawgrass round, and I am really dedicated to the cause. I just need a new driver. What you really need,
1: let's be honest, is a dentist right now. Uh, yeah. I'm going to pull back the curtain, and Lab's got some dental issues going on, so he decided to self-medicate. So there's going to be some words that don't come out completely as they probably should. And again, to pull back the curtain even more, I'm in 535. He's in 531 this week, and so he he wandered down to my room. I'm not quite sure if... He's going to be able to wander back because he's actually dug into an IPA and on top of the ore
0: gel and everything else he's dealing with. You're going to be all right. A lot of a lot of, ad, lot of Advil. Well, as well, I think I think the recommended amount of days that you're supposed to take Advil is three. That's about the max. And I'm currently on day six, uh, where I'm pumping it through uh, every four to six hours. That is not healthy for the stomach, not healthy for the kidneys, not healthy for the liver. Uh, hashtag pray. For lab, but you're right, Rex. This is not the ideal week to be talking about the Thodds or the Super Golf League uh, when you have oral gel and are really struggling to enunciate because I have so much gum pain. Uh, but that is that is the case uh, that we have here. We're, we're, yeah, that is definitely my disclaimer for the week. We had a lot to get into. Uh, we're taping this on Wednesday. I mean, what a busy day. You you've been you were at the golf course at 7 a.m. digging up notes for your Golf Today hit. Uh, Tiger Woods uh, met with the media for the first time in two months since what I would say was a very encouraging performance at the PNC Championship alongside Sun Charlie. I think we should start there. I, and Rex, I don't think any of us was anticipating Tiger was going to sit in front of us and say, folks, we're, <laughs> we got the seven-week countdown to the Masters. Can't wait to be there. Uh, I'm going to try and win my 16th major championship. I don't think that was what we expected, but what were some of your takeaways from what I thought was a very chatty Tiger Woods on Wednesday at Riv?
1: He was chatty. It seems to me he's leaned into the host role. I'm not quite sure what else he would be doing this week, but he seems to me enjoying it more than he has in the past. Cause I've always felt like he was a reluctant host. Like, okay, I'll smile. I'll hand a trophy over.
0: He didn't show up to the weekend. You may recall.
1: That's that's true. And he didn't play last year and there was health issues going on. And that was two days before the car accident. So this is an anniversary of a lot of different things. As far as it applies to when he's going to play again, I I was really, really taken when he was pressed about the idea that, well, could you play? Because we keep throwing out these scenarios.
0: He wasn't pressed, he was grilled.
1: He was grilled. Could you play in the par three contest at the Masters? And he went full Allen Iverson. It was classic about par three contest. I mean, yeah, I could could play a practice round. I can play a pro-am. I mean, and, and what this goes back to is I don't think he's that much closer now. Then he was probably back in December at the PNC when we all got excited about this. I think we're sort of glossing over the fact that he's still learning to walk again, that he can, he said he could walk on a treadmill forever, but put him on a golf course. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be demanding. I asked him point blank golf activities. Like, where are you? Are you making progress? And it was, yes, in my short game, long game, not
0: so much. He just can't do it. I'm, I still can't shake the feeling, too, Rex, that he that he's still sandbagging us because he he was in the Bahamas at the Hero two weeks before the PNC, and he's talking about oh I've got I've got such a long way to go, you, you know my body's just not there yet. Then he commits the PNC, and then he's throwing absolute darts. Yes, it, it was a resort course. Yes, he was in a golf cart. I think his form impressed everybody. Did, did it not that you know less than ten months after a horrific car accident that did innumerable damage to his right leg, that he was able to play that type of golf. And yes, it was a casual setting. But look, his form looked pretty good, right? So I can't shake the feeling that you you can't rule Augusta out completely.
1: Really?
0: I don't think you can rule it out completely. I'm much more pessimistic sitting here at six o'clock on Wednesday night than I was at 11 a.m. heading into that press conference, I expected Tiger to say that he's making a little bit more progress physically, but that was my takeaway is that walking is still the hardest part for him to do. And it's not just 72 holes of competition. We've talked about this number of times on the podcast. It's not just the actual tournament competition of walking 72 holes. It is the weeks and months prior logging the amount of time on the range on the golf course to compete against the very the world's very best players that is i think a toll that his body is not yet ready to accept or be able to uh kind of be put in that arena yet not saying it can happen but the masters is seven weeks away and tiger himself is saying that quote he has a long ways to go
1: no, I'm not saying it can't happen because you're right. It felt like he was sandbagging a little bit at the PNC, but he has been honest about that. There was a golf cart involved. He was only hitting every other shot in that particular tournament. It was a resort course. There's a lot of things that went into that. I think he was much more realistic than the rest of us were combined. <laughs> I just don't think we looked at it and thought, oh my, like he might make I mean, a come back. He, he looked good and they finished runner up. I mean, he and Charlie, Charlie carried him. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to say the thing that no one wants to hear. Charlie carried him. Great
0: putter. Great putter. She's a terrific putter.
1: Terrific putter. Good driver of the golf ball and the tee. he's playing from. It was a, it was a good example. I was taken by, I don't know. And again, I had a conversation with Nota Begay last week, kind of along these lines. And I don't think Augusta is realistic. And simply because I think when you look at where, how far he has to go from here, he cannot put the hours in. He can't do the things that make Tiger Woods special. And we always assumed that he would show up at events and be this singular athlete, and would would beat everyone by 15 strokes. And it just came natural to him. I think we that glossed over the idea that he had to work harder than everyone else. I mean, I'll go back to the John Daly story. When John Daly's after the pro am on a Wednesday at Bay Hill, and he's drinking with his pro am partners in the locker room, and Tiger's heading out coming back from the range and heading to the gym. And JD's like, come on, have a beer, Tiger, settle down. And he's like, I can't. I'm not as talented as you are. And that's the mentality. I've always been taken by that story. I think it's so special. I just don't, I think he realizes it, that I can't log the hours. Like this isn't going to hold up. This isn't sustainable. If I try to do this now, it's absolutely not going to work. I was more taken by the idea. And the anniversary of the crash is actually, isn't until next Wednesday.
0: Yes, 23rd.
1: Yeah. So it was two days after the tournament and he'd handed out the trophy to Max Homa and he was still in Los Angeles doing a photo shoot And having covered that story and seen how far he has come. Now I'm taken by the idea that of everything he's been through in his career, that changed everything. I mean, it was such a seminal moment in his career that he he may not, he he may never play again. I mean, we still have to wrap our minds around that. And even if he plays, he's made it perfectly clear. It's going to be on a wildly limited schedule. It's going to be the majors and maybe a handful of other events. He'll never play a full schedule again on the one year anniversary. I think it was such a moment that I, I don't want to gloss over it like this. The, it didn't end his career, but it certainly ended that chapter of his career.
0: Uh, yeah, It didn't end his career, you know, literally. No. Um, it certainly altered the trajectory of, his career he was 45 years old when he had the crash he's 46 now he turned 46 in december phil mickelson just won a major championship at age 50 and look tiger's got a lot of wear and tear on that body you have to remember he, he wasn't playing Riviera's last last year because of his back issues he underwent another i believe that was a fifth uh surgery on his back and, and yes he is recovering now from serious injuries to his right leg he said his right leg Uh, is altered, I believe was the word that he used compared uh, to his left. He still has the nagging pains with his back, with his neck, in all sorts of kinetic change issues that come uh, with that type of procedure. And, And you're right. Can he log the proper amount of practice time to compete against the world's best players? That's an open question. I don't think we'll know until he actually tees it up in a major championship. Tiger Woods will play golf again, in a tournament setting. He was clear about that. Will I come back? Yes. Will he come back with a tournament schedule like we're used to? No. And so, yeah, I, you're right. It is kind of a sobering reminder uh, of all that was lost last year. All that could have been uh, lost in terms of his life, his limb uh, in such a a serious car accident. Uh, It was good to see him up. Seems very upbeat, uh, very chatty, as we mentioned, and looked. I'm sure we'll have this conversation in a month's time when the players championship rolls around and tiger has his hall of fame induction speech. We'll be looking ahead to Augusta. He, we know he'll be at the champions dinner, right? We know he'll be there on Tuesday night. Will he be in the tournament proper? Uh, We just don't know. Let's shift a little bit. Some news that you were trying to chase down today with the Saudis and the super golf league and the pack meeting. Pack meeting. Everyone loves talking about the pack. I know you love, you love pack meetings. And there was one on Tuesday night. It was the first time the pack has assembled in 2022. Some new members: Rex, Brooks Kepka, Mister Chill, are now a member of the pack. And they had a lot to discuss. And you have some news. I would encourage everyone to go check out GolfChannel.com. Why don't you not bore us? Why don't you give us the Cliff Notes version? of what the pack discussed on tuesday night not boris wow yeah don't bore us make it snappy let's move on to other things way to set that
1: up yeah i appreciate the the photo confidence there no it was interesting it's funny i called a member of the pack early this morning because i was going on golf today and all we're talking about is the super golf league and i just kind of wanted to know was it addressed what was said and it was addressed And Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA tour was there and right out of the gates, he just said, just to make sure everyone knows, reiterate what we think that if you sign on to the super golf league, you're going to be banned from the PGA tour. I'm not quite sure where that lands. Like that, that's another conversation for another day. I didn't think to follow up on what else was going on. I actually did follow up. I asked if there was anything about the player impact program, and there is not. There, there weren't any conversations yesterday about that. Did, weren't the results supposed to be released in February? Uh, Mid-February. I've, I've, this is mid-February. It's I've February been told. There's, well, no, I have a bit of a m- bit news there. Um, apparently, there's been a review of the results. Oh. Yes, and, and I was told that Tiger actually won, and Phil, as we all know, Phil has already claimed – that he won the eight million million first place. So I think it'll be interesting the next couple of weeks.
0: Sure. Hold on. We got to, we got to, we got to dive into this, right? So Tiger actually won the PIP. And let's be clear. Tiger Woods did not play a tournament on the PGA Tour in 2022. That is one of the criteria. Was it not? Was the Nielsen ratings for the PIP. Tiger probably sent out two tweets. One of them, yeah, it broke the internet when he said that he was, Making progress, but other than that, he was kind of MIA. He would do some TGR Foundation things. He'd do some TGR Live type things. He was not really active on social media as well. Google searches—the only one that really popped up was a negative, was it not? And they were supposed to filter out the negative news. I would think a horrific single car crash uh, and all the assorted headlines that came from that would be filtered out in negative publicity. And yet Tiger Woods wins the pit. I'm not saying that Tiger Woods isn't the biggest needle mover in golf, because we all know he is. How does that guy, how does he win the pip? How does that happen? Again, I believe the results are
1: being reviewed, so I'm not 100% sure. I think it's comical. I think it's hilarious. I'm going to laugh so hard. If Tiger does beat Phil, because we've been oh. yes,
0: because Phil tweeted Phil in December. Never been number one. He's never been world number one. <laughs> He's never been FedEx Cup champion. He's never been top of the money list. He's never been world number one. Nothing. He has never beaten Tiger. He has never been world number one. This is his, this is his one chance to to lead something. And you're saying, upon further review, Phil, you, you actually you actually finished second like you always do.
1: We're gonna have to wait for that one
0: anyway. So what I
1: discovered from the pack meeting and it wasn't until later is that that's the
0: headline that's the headline yes
1: that's the headline you're right i I totally blazed through that is that the pga tour is proposing and it's a proposal and what they do in the pack is they throw stuff against the wall and they see what's going to stick and they see what players like and they see what players don't like so don't take this as gospel but what they're trying to do is create a three event series in the fall for the top 50 players from the previous season's fedex cup points list and they'll be played internationally I think the idea is Asia, the Middle East, and Europe right now. And those would be team events. And so we're talking about 50 players, five-man teams. The best part of this is, from what I was told, the idea is to make the top 10 players from the PIP, which we just discussed, they would be the quote-unquote captains of each team moving forward. That's interesting. There's a lot of ways to break that down. The idea is that those top 50, their rank on the FedEx Cup points list would not change. They'd be locked in at that point, which is what? Because the wraparound is going away. That's the news. The wraparound would go away, and then whoever did not finish inside the top 50 but still qualified for the playoffs, so the next 75 players out of 125 that qualify for the playoffs, they would have to play what is now the fall series, and for lack of a better term, it would become a seeding series where, okay, now you get to decide how good your priority is on the PGA Tour. And if you play well in the fall, you get into better events. If you don't play well in the fall, you don't get into those events. Uh, you don't get into the events you want, I guess, would be the scenario. So, and it's interesting on a lot of levels. So, the those three events internationally would not hand out FedEx Cup points. It would be an exhibition, for lack of a better term, with a lot of money. And it remains to be seen if they'll get world ranking points. But it's exactly what
0: that wouldn't be an official win.
1: Well, but they don't like team events. We know that from New Orleans, right? The world ranking does not like the team events. And you can't, we have one microphone. Please stop barking out of questions.
0: Should I just do it louder?
1: (laughs) It doesn't help. (laughs) And so uh, what 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 we've come to is the idea that they're trying to appease the top players. And let's make no mistake. This is a direct response to whatever traction the Super Golf League has gained over the last few weeks, it feels like. And we're going to get into that discussion later. But this is interesting because it's a huge, huge break from where they were before. Because what you're essentially saying is, even though technically you kept your card, finished inside the top 25, which has always been the threshold, you're still going to have to scramble in the fall to make sure you have
0: the status that you need going forward. And isn't, isn't everyone complaining that, that they don't have an off-season in golf? Like, I think everyone every top player in particular wants to have two or three months off in the fall to, to reassess, tinker with their equipment, spend time with their family, whatever they want to do in their off season. And Again, that
1: one mic, yes. I'll scream it across the room. Okay. Stop asking. But
0: that runs counter to the PG tours mission, which of course is to provide playing opportunities for the members. I think, and I would encourage everyone to go to golfshell.com to read sort of the nitty gritty of this. I think there's certainly some pros, to this. I think this helps satiate the stars guaranteed paydays. Uh, You're still going to be running up against football, but any sort of departure from the norm of a 72 hole stroke play competition, I think is a good thing. What will make this a success or a failure is really in the details of this. How do you make the team component compelling? It can't just be kind of the college golf model of play five, count four and that's your team score so they're gonna to have to tinker with that i do like the idea of pip captains and making it something tangible as opposed to just this mysterious mysterious ranking where tiger, Mayor, Mayor, tiger tiger may or may not be the incumbent uh winner that yeah how like can the can the pip winner what if the pip winner doesn't doesn't play in this in this fall series that seems like that seems like a problem so you're just gonna count four right yeah. Wait. So that so that, so that teams that teams just totally screwed. Like that's I'm right. Saying, or... Play well,
1: boys. And that's what I have to tell you. No, I think, and it's still up in the air. Again, when, when I report these things, it's important to point out that what they're doing in these pack meetings is just trying to gauge the temperature of the
0: room. Like these
1: are 16 PGA Tour well,
0: players, and now players are incentivized to tell you these types of details. You you report it on television you report on the website we talk about it on these podcasts it's basically a trial balloon is it not by you reporting it and players telling you they're engaging public reaction to that as well if everyone says this is a stupid idea i promise you they're not going to run with it if everyone says oh that's an intriguing idea that engenders some support among the pack they take it to the policy board and i would say they're more inclined are they not to accept that sort of proposal
1: I-, I can see that no you painted a good map I see what you're saying. They absolutely. So I'm being used. I'm I'm essentially woge. It's what you what you're telling me. Yes. 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 <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. No, I, I can see that because look, the tour has had to deal with the fall for a long time. And there's plenty of players that don't like the fall. And you and I have had this conversation about it's a bad business model for any business to say, No, we don't want your money. Go away. And the RSMs of the world who have events in the fall, they're fine paying however many millions it takes to have these events. So it's, it's always been hard for the tour to turn their back on it. Businesses just don't do that. In this particular case, I'm not quite sure we end up with something close. Keep in mind, there's nine fall events now. I can't imagine that all nine of them sign off on the idea that, okay, we're going to become seating events for whatever happens next year. Like I think there's going to be some sort of attrition.
0: Well, you'd think those international events would go away, would they not? If you're already going to be having these superstar-laden tournaments in Europe, the Middle East, and Asia, you would think those would be the first to go.
1: I would think Zozo has probably been a very good partner at the PGA Tour. That's an obvious one for Asia. Yeah. So if you, want a, yeah, if you want a starting point, that's very, very easy, and then you find somewhere in Europe. It's, it's interesting, and we're going to get into this discussion in a moment, about when you talk about the Middle East – That is that is such an interesting move for the PGA Tour, because clearly we all know that the Super Golf League is is based on what's happening in Saudi Arabia. And this is the public wealth fund. And I'm not quite sure if that's the best move. It it feels like you're courting confrontation at that point.
0: Potentially. Um, It does make sense to have some sort of tie in with Dubai. Does it not? because you're already having the uh, DP world tour championship in Dubai in November. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to visualize what the schedule would be because you have a, a the team competition, obviously the Ryder cup of the Presidents Cup, depending on the year you have that in late September, I think it's easy to see maybe two weeks later, you have the tournament in Europe. I think three weeks after that, you have the tournament in Asia, and then you probably end in the middle East. The weather's going to be the best in late November. That is, that's a lot to ask is it not of the world's best players unless you have them in three consecutive weeks, which I don't, I don't know that that has been discussed. I'm not sure how far along, uh, how far down the line they are at this. You're telling me after the pressure cooker of these team competitions, you got to fly to Europe, fly back a couple weeks later, fly to the middle East, fly back a couple weeks after that fly to Asia, fly back at a time of year when guys just want to decompress, and guys want to take it easy. They want to cash their checks. They want to spend time with their family. They want to get their body and their mind right after what has been a grueling year. That's a, that's a lot to ask. There's a lot of details that are going to be needing to work out because you know, this isn't number one twenty five that you're trying to provide playing opportunities for you're doing this intentionally to appease the tour's best players. You need to make it easy as easy on them as humanly possible.
1: And it's worth pointing out. They don't have to play these. Again, their FedEx Cup ranking. There's no FedEx Cup points in these. There's probably going to be no world ranking points because we know that the world ranking is not crazy about giving points to team events based on what New Orleans.
0: You have to verb after that that IPA.
1: Yes, Sorry. I did. Thank you very much. I think the thing that's worth pointing out is they don't have to play these. Like that's the whole idea. If you want to go and collect the free money and play three times in the fall, so we're talking about from September until the end of December. Three times. That's all you're being asked to do. Now, the European players obviously have different priorities. Like, they're going to go and play Dubai. They're going to play the Rolex Series events. I understand that. But as far as your PGA Tour obligation goes, if you finish in the top 50, this is
0: all you're being required to do. I don't think that's a stretch. It's not a stretch. But what happens if you only have 37 players of the top 50 who want to play in the Middle East? Then you essentially have what you have with the century tournament of champions to kick off 2022. I think we all enjoy that event, but I don't think any of us kind of view that as a serious golf competition. It's kind of a lid lifter and it's a kind of an easy way to, to launch into the new, to new year. Uh, the, the PJ tour still needs to create a compelling product. And I would hope that they would get some assurances from the best players that, Hey, I know this is coming at the tail end of a very long year. I know there's some international travel, That's going to be required to this. Is this something that you could potentially see yourself committing to? They need to get of the 50 players. You need to get 45 of them who are willing to make the trip. Otherwise you're going to have to, I think, go back to the think tank on this one.
1: My guess is they don't float things like this in front of the pack. Unless they've already talked to the Roy McElroy's of the world and got their thoughts and been like, yeah, that's probably something I'm interested in. So we'll see where it goes going forward that the last thing that we wanted to address, which is the elephant in the room is the super golf league. And both of us sort of ran into our own versions of it this week. I, I'm curious from your point of view, are, are we closer to some sort of finish line on this? Or is it just,
0: we're still just staring down the abyss. I mean, there's still no formality to it, which is frustrating. I, I made the joke today. I think I wrote, four or five items for GolfChannel.com today. And I could have just copy and pasted various names into the stories about whether they're either supporting the tour or they're still toying with the idea of jumping ship as in an Adam Scott, who was actually kind of a, a surprising case to me because he is the player, the exact player that the Saudis would want to target accomplished player plays internationally, uh, I would say he's past his prime. He's age 41 now. I think it's, it's clear his best days are behind him. He's down to 46 in the world ranking. He has always crafted a limited schedule and trying to peak for the biggest events. And that is exactly what the Saudis are proposing with what is a 10 to 14 uh, event schedule with massive uh, paydays uh, coming to those who are playing in this league, he said he was very much uh, considering that it seems like Rex, the battle lines are being drawn on us versus them scenario. And I think you're starting to see perhaps some some forcefulness that we didn't see. Kyle Morikawa typically toes the line in press conference settings, and he came out uh, adamant in support of the PGA Tour, said he didn't uh, like kind of the, the mysteriousness of the Saudis Said he just wanted concrete details they couldn't give him give it to him. So he was very much on the PGA tour. John Rahm, not listed on the pre-tournament press conference schedule at the Genesis invitational member of the pack on Tuesday night. He felt compelled to give an impromptu press conference on Wednesday to throw his support behind the PGA tour as well. Roy McIlroy met with the press. Obviously his stance uh, on this issue has been well known. Tiger Woods, once again, throwing his support behind the tour as well. It seems like it's an us versus them. You have the Bryson's, you have the Phil's, you have the Rorys and the Rahm's. I think the, I think we're coming to a head here. I don't think this is going to drop in the next couple of days, probably not even the next couple of weeks. Uh, but we're starting to get some clarity. We're starting to be able to make some educated guesses uh, and perhaps some informed speculation on who is actually going to make the leap. The 40 to 50 players that they want for this league, I think they're going to get them. I think I'm probably more sure of that, that this thing's actually going to happen. Will it be a product that is uh, damaging to the tour. That is the part that I'm not sure about. You may have the fills and the Bryson's and Bryson, I think would be a big loss for the PGA tour. But if you're getting these past their prime players, I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's all going to be that that damaging. I would agree with you. And I think I've said this before that they'll get
1: 48 to the magic number, right? So they'll get 48 players it's not going to be the 48 players they want. And I think going forward, they're probably fine with that right now. Cause at this point, if I had to guess, it's a proof of concept where if they can play two or three years and prove to the world more to the point, prove to the Rory's of the world that look, this is what's going on. And this player who you just characterize as passes as prime only had to play 14 events and made, I don't know, $20 million. Pick a number whatever the number is. And again, this is, this is getting dirty and it's getting gritty and no one likes to have this conversation. And the part that I'm struck by this week, more so than any other week that I've covered this story is how contentious it has become. It's so clear now that you only have to talk to a player for about 30 seconds and you immediately realize that, Oh, he's with them or, Oh, he's with the PGA tour. Like it's very, very clear. And I think you said battle lines, and that's probably a good way of putting it. And more and more people are digging in, and it's becoming nasty, and it's becoming something that I didn't think was going to happen in golf because we don't have these conversations in golf. We don't go down these avenues where, well, he's going to do it because he's chasing dollars, but I'm doing it because I'm chasing history. It it seems like a very, very weird – it's an odd place to be right now in golf because they're going to get – I mean, the rumor is 17 players have already signed or verbally committed or whatever you want to say. So they'll get their 48 players. And whoever that is, we'll figure out. But going forward, I just don't see any reconciliation as my problem. I don't see how this ever comes to a fruition where the tour officials at last night's PAC meeting walked in and the only thing that was said about the Super League was, we just want to reiterate that anyone that goes in that direction is going to be banned from the PGA tour. And that's a really heavy statement. And I just feel like it's getting to the point where they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other. And I, I truly feel like I I'm taken by the idea that some players are so passionately on one side or the other, and it's caused this rift in golf that I never saw coming.
0: Yeah, it, It's certainly getting nasty. And I think it'll, only get nastier, and you make an interesting point with the, the proof of concept and you mentioned you know in, in three years that you can show that this is what it's going to be and you know a player like a ian poulter for instance can can make a boatload of money while not playing particularly well that'll certainly be appealing to some players the counter to that would be what if in two and three years you look at this thing and you say this thing's a joke These are 54-hole juiceless events with terrible fields on bad golf courses that no one's watching. That is maybe not a likely outcome. It's certainly plausible. I mean, the idea of what these competitions are is not great. These are juiceless 54-hole events with shotgun starts on bad golf courses. That's That's not a great product. So I can certainly see that. And so then what happens? Then you have 48 players who made this. Leap, they cashed out. They they sold out. However you want to phrase it, they're now stuck playing this circuit, and they're away from the best players in the world with no other sort of recourse. They forcefully take the mic from you. Put your your grubby finger. Give me that. (laughs) Put the meaty finger up.
1: The sausage finger up. I I had a I had a producer who you knew I'm talking about was in a meeting the other day, and he wanted to know who are these 17 players. Because that's the rumors that 17 players have signed on or verbally committed, whatever the case may be. And I, I, I came up with a best guess. Like I don't know. Like no, one, none of us know at this point. And his reaction was, "Well, no one wants to watch them play golf. And
0: maybe you're right. No one does want to. I've watch. been saying that for, for months. No one wants to watch these players that were that we're thinking about. We, no one wants to watch the Westwoods and the Phil's. And the Poulters and the Stents. no one wants to watch them play golf. I wanted to watch them play golf 10 years ago. I don't want to watch them play golf now. The game is younger. It's better. It's stronger, more athletic than ever before. Why would I want to watch a 45-year-old slap it around?
1: And I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, is that golf at, at its best? I would argue that probably not. Like, golf at its best is what we saw last week with Scotty Scheffler. I mean, that was amazing golf and Patrick Cantlay and going down the stretch in that zoo of of an event, but is this really going to be good golf or is this just going to be the names that, that draw people out? It's very, very difficult for me to wrap my mind around because that's not going to stop the 17 or 20 or 48 players who clearly have already made up their mind. That's the part that I'm taken by. And I get why. Jay Monahan, the commissioner, walked into the meeting last night and said what he said because you have other players who are actively recruiting players to join the tour right now at PGA Tour events, and you just can't have that. So I totally understand where they're coming from from this, and I think the danger that we're running into is that there's going to be an element of golf that just gets locked off because they went in the wrong direction and – I think Rory said it best. Like, they're on the wrong side of history.
0: I still have yet to meet a great player who was concerned about money. Haven't met one. John Rom could care. He, John Rom has made thirty-one million dollars in five plus seasons on the PGA Tour. He couldn't tell you that information. He said he had no idea how much money he is earned. That's just on course. So I figure he's probably close to. $50 million in his career, could care less. All he wants to do is win tournaments. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Roy mcilroy These guys are already fabulously wealthy. More, They have more money than they know what to do. If they are set up for generational wealth. So that's the divide you're seeing, Rex. Who are the players who actually care about their legacy, their place in history, how they stack up against the all-time greats versus guys who just want to get fat and happy? You have to remember, when you have this super golf league, these guys are getting paid up front. They are getting paid to commit to this tour. So when they tee it up on I don't even know how they're gonna do it, probably Friday through Sunday, right? When they tee it up on Friday morning, this 54 hole tournament, they already have that check deposited in their bank account. You think they're gonna be grinding for the four footer on Saturday when they're six shots off a lead? Probably not. What's their motivation? They're gonna in the the world golf hall of fame. They're going to say, Oh yeah, he also had 17 victories on the Super Bowl golf league. Probably not. Probably not. That's not how they're going to be remembered. I think that is an important distinction. That's why to me, the most interesting player who has been rumored to be in these discussions is Dustin Johnson, 20 something time winner on the PGA tour, two major championships, uh, world number one, one of the most talented players, I think in PJ tour history at age 37, you would think he would have a couple of good earning years left on the PJ tour where he could certainly add to his legacy or does he just cash out and say, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm uh, my place feels secure. It's time to go get paid. He, to me, he is the most interesting player. Bryson. He has been hugely unpopular among his peers. I think he might be looking for a soft landing spot. Phil Mickelson age 51, if he wants to go do it, whatever a lot of the half the European Ryder cup team. If you want to go get paid uh, because you can't compete on the PJ tour anymore, go nuts. To me, the interesting, most interesting one is DJ. I'll be very curious to see what happens with him.
1: Now DJ is interesting. I think Bryson is equally interesting because I think he had the ability to redefine the game. He still does. Like we all saw what he did at Wingfoot, And I think that's very, very special. And the fact that he's even in this conversation is almost concerning to me because if money really means that much to you, then maybe winning major championships wasn't.
0: Bryson didn't, didn't come for much. I know, I know a lot of players in the Pichet Tour didn't. Bryson in particular did not.
1: No, and, and I get that. I totally understand that. And I'm, I've made the argument in the past that I don't think I'm going to judge players based on what they do for money. Because if you came from money, if you have money, and look, Rory's the perfect example of this. And he was the first one that stood up and said, I want to be on the right side of history. That's really, really easy for him to say, getting $10 million a year from a sponsor. Before he ever has to earn anything on on the golf course. So that was a bit of an issue. Like, all right, well, it doesn't really resonate with the rest of us. I think we're at the point now, though, where Bryson does have money. It's not an issue. Where I had a player tell me today that a veteran player who hasn't been approached by the Super Golf League said, if I don't hit another golf shot for the rest of my life, I'm going to be fine. My wife and my kids are going to be fine. And I never have to work again in the rest of my life. The PGA Tour has taken very, very good care of all of the players. Like it's, We talk about winning and what they earn off the golf course. The retirement program is through the roof. I mean, it's the best retirement program in all of sports. And so I have a hard time wrapping my mind around the idea that
0: I need to do this to feed my family. That's ridiculous. No, and I'm not saying, look, yeah, Bryson has more money already that he knows what to do with. My, my point when it comes to Bryson, he has never once in his life said that he wants to be one of the best players in PGA Tour history. He's never said, I want to win X number of majors. He's never said, I want to win X number of times on the PGA Tour. That has never been his stated goal. You look back at his comments over the years, and I've talked to him plenty, dating back to his junior golf days. He has always said that he wants to revolutionize the game. He wants to grow the game, whatever that means. And he wants golf to, he he wants people to, to view golf differently through the way that he plays, right? That has always been his goal. He's not tied up. In sort of these performance check marks or the, some of these legacy marks in terms of accomplishments, he doesn't. He never said he wanted to win the career Grand Slam. Like that's never been a driving force for him. He makes the most sense to go to this Super Golf League, to me, because he can do his carnival act and he can hit at 350 and he can, you know, blow away this this elderly field by 20 shots if he's on and he can, you know, go from state to state or country to country kind of like a zoo animal here's this long hitting freak show who's going to hit at 350 right like that's that's bryson's appeal and look he's been feuding with the pj tour (laughs) yes in 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 not so uh in more subtle terms yes uh he's been feuding with the pj tour for about a year now he was certainly uh frustrated with the tour's handling of the whole brooksy situation i think he certainly uh i think he voices the frustrations of many of the tour are that probably don't feel like they're getting a fair shake in terms of the money that they that they bring in however he can be an entertaining force for the super golf league so to me he makes the absolute most sense as well as some of those pastor prime players it's dj it's dj's legacy does he feel like it's secure enough and he wants to go get a payday that's the interesting one to me
1: I don't know that I disagree with you, but because both of us are staying in a courtyard in Marina Del Rey, neither one of us
0: can cook anything this
1: week. So what are you looking forward to the most to eat this week?
0: Uh, considering my my gum is throbbing, uh, perhaps some yogurt, <laughs> um, some applesauce, uh, anything soft. Uh, I mean, I'm going to scarf down some more ibuprofen. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know what I would like to find, Rex? I like to find a Korean barbecue joint (laughs) because on Monday you led us on a wild goose chase. You were, you were raving about what was his name? Koji. Koji, Koji barbecue.
1: Fill in the story for us. His name is Roy Chen, C-H-E-N. And he's a great chef and he started sort of, or he was very instrumental in the, the truck scene, you know, the food truck scene in LA and it's called Kogi K-O-G-I Kogi. And Allegedly. I, I got, no, it's a, that's what it's called. And then I got fooled by the internet. So you and I walked around for
0: two hours, maybe. Well, my, while well, my mouth is just on fire. <laughs> and we never found Kogi and we ended up eating at a Mexican place, which was very good. Very, very good. Uh, except when I got a tortilla chip stuck in my gum <laughs> and that caused issues. We had to flag down the waitress as I sprinted home and did my saltwater rinses. Uh, if you guys have some wrecks. We are staying in the Marina Del Rey area. The tournament is in uh, Pacific Palisades. If you guys have some Korean barbecue Rex that is not named Koji, uh, because apparently it has has not existed for the past three years, Uh, please let us know. You can find us on Twitter, Ryan Lambert GC, Rex Hogger, GC. Make sure you shout us out. You can read both of us this week since we're both on site. Rex, we're both on site at Revere. Find us on golfchannel.com. We just launched a writer's block on Wednesday night. We'll have a writer's block recapping the Genesis, hopefully with a great winner on Sunday night. And then of course we will do the golf center podcast presented by Callaway golf next week with all the latest from the world of golf. Thanks for listening to this edition. We will talk to you guys next week.